You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell. Dave's taking a little bit of well-deserved time off today, so we'll be just us two. Uh, today, we're going to hear from Frank Wright, Carson Wentz, Quiddy Pay, Naheem Hines, and Kamoko Ture, who all spoke with the media uh, recently during minicamp. But first, Mike, we got to talk about a legend retiring. Adam Vinatieri, the kicking goat, calls it a career after 24 seasons in the league. He announced his retirement last week, putting it into any kind of speculation that he might uh, try and kick again and return. He last kicked, of course, in 2019, his 14th season with the Indianapolis Colts. And he accomplished, I mean, more than any other kicker in history over his 24 years in the NFL. Appeared in five Super Bowls, a four-time champion, one of them with Indianapolis, of course, in the three with the New England Patriots previous to that. Uh, I mean, the king of clutch has so many records, so many accomplishments over his career. But before I kind of list through those, Mike, uh, what is Vinatieri's legacy? What does he mean to the Colts? And what are some moments during his career that really stand out to you? From, from a league and historic perspective, he's eligible for the Hall of Fame and for the class of 2025. The clock started ticking last year when he didn't play. So it's five years after a player no longer plays. And you know, it, this is funny. I've always gone back and forth. There are so many, recently we've had these so many first ballot Hall of Famers, and I would question some of them. With Vinatieri, I would question how he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, If you took all of these stats and forgot the fact he's a kicker, because there's, there's this stigma on being kickers, but like you said, 24 seasons, third all time, 365 games, second all time, 2,673 points, first all-time. Four uh, four Super Bowl championships. Uh, he's got all the playoff records on points and field goals. And on and on. And if you, if you put those with any other player, any position player, you would say, what else do you need to know? But the fact he's a kicker, it, it may hold some people back, but it shouldn't. You know, again, he won the two Super Bowls. For New England with last-second kicks, never been done before. So uh, it's it's it sort of just begs for first ballot enshrinement. We'll see. But for the Colts, they uh, they went with they, they sort of they, they invested heavily in 2006. They're moving on from Mike Vanderjack, and they needed a kicker, and and they bring in Vinny, who was having contract issues and had run its course with the Patriots and. He, he, he was instrumental in the Super Bowl season. Uh, think no further than the uh, second-round playoff game at Baltimore where it's just, it's just a fist fight. It's just hard to score, and it's 15-6, to six, and he delivers all points on field goals. And, and that's what you have to have in that game. There that, that was no room for error. There was no room to, you know, to, to, to bounce one off the uprights or miss a 50-yarder. They had to have all of them. And then they go into go on to win uh, Super Bowl Forty One, and you know one of the things that that really strikes me about him, he also set the league record for most consecutive field goals at forty four, at age forty three. 
you know, when a lot of guys are done. So I, I think that it's 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 a it's an incredible career. And again, he's I believe he's tied for second all time Colts on tenure with fourteen seasons. That's pretty impressive. And then you think that came after ten years after ten years in New England. So the staying power at a position where coaches are always looking for somebody better. They're always looking for that quick fix when that kicker goes into a two or three week two or three week funk, which Vinatieri had had a few downsides downtimes. Obviously, in 2019, was not the way he wanted to go out. He missed 14 kicks and you know contributed to the team not making the playoffs. It's just it, it was a really bad ending to a, again a Hall of Fame career. And I think the one thing that he regrets more than anything is that his last kick was the dreaded kick six against the Titans where it's blocked and returned, but that doesn't even remotely uh, diminish what he did. Again, I, I, I would argue very strongly that this was the first ballot Hall of Famer, and I will if I'm still doing it in three years. Because, again, it's just when you talk about players at, at his his position – you know, whether it's quarterback or pass rusher or guard or safety, whatever, in this case a kicker, best of all time. And one other thing on Vinatieri, I always it's always fun to think about what what if, what would have happened if. And go back to that when the Patriots began their Super Bowl run, I can't remember what the year it was. He kicked the two field goals in the blizzard against the Patriot or against uh, the Raiders in the snowball. And he calls those his two greatest kicks because of the situation, but more so because of the weather. What happens if he doesn't kick those? Do they go? Do they, maybe they still go on this great run? But he really was a catalyst of what was going on, and the, the moment was never ever too big for him. So again, I think it's a it's it was long speculated. I talked to him. I think it was in, in nineteen. And it was kind of clear he was headed this direction. It took a long time, and maybe he's still not totally there yet with the heart and the mind getting together and the body saying, hey, you know, we just can't do this. I think he still deep down would love to kick again, but I just think the body's not allowing it. And, you know, Father Time, as they say, is undefeated. But what a great career, and I'm, I'm kind of glad the Colts had a chance for 14 years to appreciate this. Yeah, I know there's just kind of this running joke on the podcast that I hate Adam Vinatieri after uh, giving him a little grief during the 2019 season. But if if this isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, then I don't know what is. You just hate kickers for whatever reason, and they're a part of the game. I, I know they're not quite as important as the other starters on the team, but when you need those field goals, you need someone who you can rely on to put it through the uprights. and. Uh, most points scored. I mean, how is that not a first ballot Hall of Famer? You win the game by scoring points. Um, it's that simple, and no one did it better than Adam Vinatieri. So, uh, well-deserved retirement. I hope he enjoys it. I thought it was kind of funny the way he announced his retirement on the Pat McAfee show. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, but, man, what what a career it was. Is there any Colts moments uh, other than the Baltimore game that really stand out to you? I know the Baltimore game, he came in really clutch. Um but is there any other Colts moments that kind of stand out? No, that's that's the one that is just indelible, just because of the importance and the fact that there was no room for error. 
and again, just how he, he was totally unflappable, and you wouldn't know when he was going out there if, if this was an extra point in a 41-10 to 10 game or or one they needed but when it was 20-20 to 20 with 20 seconds to play. And the one thing that I'll always remember of all the things that Pat McAfee said, and, and he was right about this, is it, this is the only player, a kicker is the only player that every time he steps on the field – Something's on the line. Points. It's it's not like you're the left tackle and you can and you can whiff on a play and you get your quarterback hit. Every play that the kicker's out there, points are on the line. So, so the pressure of that is incredible. And again, the fact that he plays 24 seasons at a position again when 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 it's so hard to maintain uh, excellence. And uh, for whatever reason, injuries or or circumstances or whatever. So, kudos to Adam. And and again, I I do I'm looking forward to to, to, to talking about him in the Hall of Fame room. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to him in the next few weeks if I could ever get him. But but it's just he's just he did it the right way. Keep in mind that over the last half a dozen years of his career, he was always the old man in the locker room. I mean, he's he's forty-ish, and he's and guys that are twenty-one, twenty-two weren't even born when he started kicking. So it's pretty incredible, and it's good to see guys that do it the right way have success and eventually find a place in Canton. And I think we're going to see that with Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say about him is, other than the Baltimore game, I can't think of that many standout moments because every time. Even if it was close, game-winning kick, you just expected it to go in. And you just said, yeah, that's what Vinatieri does. So it doesn't really stand out as, oh, this game-winning kick, that game-winning kick. That's just what you expect from Adam Vinatieri, which just, you know, points to his greatness. Um, One last note before we get to some interviews here. The Colts preseason details released. Uh, They'll kick off their preseason August 15th at home against Carolina. Uh, McCaffrey and Darnold and company coming to town. That's actually the same day as the Brickyard Brickyard 400 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So busy day for Indianapolis sports there. Uh, and then the last two games at Minnesota, Saturday, August 21st, 8 p.m. game, so night game. And then the Colts will take on Detroit at Detroit Friday, August 27th, 7 p.m. You can watch all of those games on Fox 59, but Mike, no, no Cincinnati this year. I think they just should go to Cincinnati, just have a day trip <laughs> down there. You know, Some team take bonding. The bus, drive around the parking lot and come home. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was forever. That last game against the Bengals that, that nobody wanted to watch, but somebody always made an impression and, and uh, made the team. I think what's going to be really, really interesting, and, and we'll see as camp unfolds, is how Frank Reich handles the preseason with players uh, the last few years when they had preseason games, they were really dialing back exposing frontline players to preseason. And here you've got a, a, a new quarterback. You've got, you know, r- rookies, you know, certainly your, your edge pass rusher. How much will you play these guys? I'm guessing not a lot, but will that second game all of a sudden be like the third game where if, if when they were going to play a lot, that's the game. I'm guessing that's the case. Because it is with the seventeen gaming season and 
and the concern over safety and keeping players healthy for the long run, I'm curious how much they play these frontline players in the three preseason games. I'm guessing maybe a half at Minnesota, but not much more than that. Yeah, I'd have to guess that as well. Maybe Wentz gets a little bit more run than Phillip Rivers did just because he's a little a little more young and spry out there. But, um, yeah, I can't imagine us seeing too much of those frontline players, although I am looking forward to seeing Quiddy Pay coming off the edge. Uh, I, I think he'll probably get a little bit more, more run than most just because he's still a rookie. I mean, he's still got a lot to prove and get his feet wet and all of that. Well, Jake and Jacob Eason. Oh yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna play. He, he's gonna play. A, he, he's gonna play a ton because they've got to. They've got to know. They you know they think they know, but they don't know how how this guy is gonna perform. He's you know he's shown all of the raw skill you need to play the position, but it's just different when it's out there and they're keeping score and the clock's running and the other team doesn't like you. So I'm I'm curious again how much do the veterans play. But what will we see from Jacob Eason as far as handling a team when it counts? Eason will be looking forward to seeing Kyle Granson, how the Colts use him, how he fast he looks on the field. And I, I really liked, I think it was a six-round pick, Michael Strawn. He was just a big, fast, wide receiver. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how big and fast he looks compared to NFL competition out there. I know he dominated at Charleston, but... Whole new ball game in the NFL, but but again, that, that's what the pre that's what the preseason will allow these guys to do. The players you mentioned, Quiddy Pay, you know, he needs to play some, but you know the other guys that you're not sure about uh, that you think you really really like that Strawn and guys like that. This will be a great great time to see what you've got to see if what you've got is what you think you've got. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's enough yapping from us today. Let's go ahead and turn it over and listen to some interviews from Wright, Wentz, and the rest of the gang. All right. Hope everybody's had a having a good week. Um, obviously, this is going to be the last time that I'll be with you guys before we get to training camp. So um, it's been a, it's been a good two weeks. Really pleased with the work that we've got done with the players and the coaches. Um, kind of mission accomplished. We really wanted to kind of lay a foundation, talk about you can't really skip any steps as far as the level of preparation and felt like the two things we were able to get done was, you know, again, go back over and detail out the fundamentals and techniques per position that are really important to us, why they're important, uh, work those things out, work hard, improving at those and really creating a foundation for the eight weeks that now that the players will have to, uh, you know, to work out on their own. And then secondly, we're able to, you know, just solidify things in our scheme. You know, like every team, you know, we make adjustments and adapt every year in all three phases. And, you know, we've made quite a few adjustments. You know, we got a new quarterback in Carson this year. So um, you guys know how we roll. We play to the strengths of our personnel. So, you know, have some different things we're doing there and had a good chance to get some of those things uh, uh, worked out. So I feel really good about that. Uh, really credit the players and the coaches for the quality of work, the, the level of focus for the last two weeks. Um, next week, uh, obviously, the everyone will be gone uh, after this week. And then but the rookies will be back, you know, the rookies will be back for another week um, next week. So we'll still get to work with them a little bit. I'm sure there will be some vets around. I've 
told everybody that, you know, they're free and, and to get out of here, but there may be a few vets still around getting some work, but we still will have organized and scheduled things that we'll do with the rookies next week. All right, we'll start with Zach Kiefer. Frank, we've talked about this before. Uh, when a new quarterback comes to a team, you know, they got to earn the respect of the locker room, and that's not something you can just do quickly. Uh, Phillip probably made it a little bit easier than it was last year just because he's Phillip. How has Carson handled that? And I know it's only been two weeks, but, you know, a lot of guys will be vocal. Other guys will let their play do the talking. How has he handled that, and what kind of challenge is that from your perspective? Yeah, Carson's done an excellent job, I think, in both ways, Zach, both vocally and just the way he works. Um, you know, he's not a shy guy, very outspoken, but just, just come in with good command of the offense, you know, really good preparation so that whether we're in a meeting or stepping out there on the field, just the level of command that he has in the huddle, um, the guys can, I, I know, feel that. And then just physically, you know, I think he, I think when he's out there in the field, uh, and I've talked to you guys about this before when we made the trade, you can just feel his presence physically on the field. He's a, he's a dominant physical uh, specimen for the position. And at the, and you feel that when he's out there. Mike Wells. Hey, Frank, um, was it essentially, was it just easy picking up with Carson? Um, now that you have two weeks with him, was it just a smooth transition like you guys had uh, never left each other, even though it had been several years? No, the transition back was very smooth, Mike. Uh, like I said, we, we had a great relationship. We maintained that relationship, you know, for the previous three years that I've been here. Um, and now just kind of re reconnecting with him has been very easy. Um, I think when it comes to football, we think about the game very similarly. Um, we have similar preferences um, in the passing game. We see, we see things very, very much alike. So that makes it very easy. And then, you know, obviously off the field, the friendship is, you know, similar value system. Um, so it's been good. Oh, and then to follow up, and I asked Carson about this too. Um, would you guys hear in that same Christ, the same Christian faith? How do you how does that correlate with you guys' relationship on the football field and off of it? Yeah, I mean, just like uh, you know, there's always connection points with every player. I, you know, I, I want to get to know every player personally. You know, sometimes it's more about family or other interests that a person has. Um, so. Right. Just any right. Any good relationship when you're seeking to get to know the other person or you know, you're talking about what's important to them. And so, you know, with Carson and I, we both have that faith aspect that's important to us. So, um, you know, we're, for instance, uh, he came into my office this morning just to talk about something football related, but we end up having a 10 minute conversation about um, our Christian faith and just some things that, uh, some things about that, you know, those kind of things wasn't scheduled, just kind of impromptu. Um, so, I think that's pretty cool. I think we both enjoy that aspect of the of the friendship off the field. Mike Chapel. Frank, with, with Carson, uh, this roster reflects Chris Ballard, and the team reflects you. Does this? It's it's sort of overblown. Maybe that the quarterback. Ha this has to be his team. If that's not the case, what does his presence need to be beyond just being another guy? Um, you know, the leadership, the leadership of the quarterback is critically important. Um, you know, as you guys know, we have a locker room full of really strong leaders. I mean, really strong leaders in this locker room. So, but in, in his own unique way, the quarterback has to be felt. And, 
And uh, the, Carson has already done that. And, you know, the two weeks here, the, the weeks of meetings that we had on Zoom, but especially these last two weeks, I, I know and I can feel that Carson has made his presence known on this team and this team has embraced his leadership. Um, so I think we're all looking forward to getting to training camp and getting in, getting out on the field and playing game, playing some preseason games and getting into the regular season. But he's done an excellent job. And anyone who's been around Carson knows that just as far as physically the way this guy works. I mean, he just is a relentless physical worker. And I, I think everyone sees that. Joel Erickson. I mean, Carson was saying that one of the things that excites him about your offense is the way you guys spread the ball around. Um, why is that? Why is that easier on a quarterback or more comfortable for a quarterback when you don't have to think about this guy has to get so many, this guy has to get so many, that kind of thing? I just think it keeps the defenses guessing. You know, I mean, we got yeah, we could easily say, hey, we're going to feature Ty and try to get Ty a hundred catches, but um, I, we don't sugarcoat the fact that we're going to spread it around. Um, you know, we we take, in fact, we take a lot of pride in that. Um, and I just think there's something about when you have that belief in your players and that it's not just around about one or two guys. It's not just about the quarterback. It's not just about Jonathan Taylor or T.Y. Hilton. But we're all we're going to spread it around and um, and we want to spread it around. And uh, because we believe we have that kind of talent keeps everybody fresh and strong and healthy, keeps defenses guessing. We'll move personnel groups around. We'll scheme things up in different ways. Um, with different guys in mind. So um, I just think it takes a little pressure off the quarterback. Is it is it easier to be able to do that when you have depth of talent at the skill position? Absolutely. And um, it, we and we feel like we have great depth. And I remember going into this year's draft, you know, just Chris and I talking. And, and I, I, I basically said to Chris multiple times, like, I feel so good about our receiver room and our tight end room. I, I don't know. I just feel very strongly about our team and and the players we had. I'm glad we had a draft, and I'm glad we signed guys and so on and so forth. But I just feel I feel we do have the right roster, the right kind of players who are getting better. Uh, I think last year was a good year for us. Um, but I, I'm anticipating that we're stronger and better this year. Kevin Bowen. You guys signed a kicker a couple of weeks ago. Um, do you kind of view that similar to last year, like open competition between Chase and Hot Rod? Not quite like last year, Kevin. I mean, it's 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 open competition, but you know, Hot Rod's he's the incumbent. You know, it's he's but but everything has to be earned. Um, everything has to be earned. Hot Rod had a good season for us last year, so that's obviously taken into consideration. He'll have to earn it again this year. Um, but of course, but it is open competition. Uh, South Powell. Hey, Frank. South Powell, Antonio. How you doing? Hey, Frank. Oh, um, all right, doing well. Frank, um, you know, there's so much talk about pressure being on Carson Wentz. What have you talked to him about to sort of take the pressure off of him and say, hey, this is we, we can help you uh, get to where you want and you can help us get to where we want. Yeah, there's been a lot of that discussion, Sal. Um, and it really has started around, you know, just be the quarterback of this team, do your job, don't try to do too much. I know that's what commonly said, but we've really dug into that deep and what that means and how we're going to think. And, um, and a lot of that really 
begins with understanding and believing that the quality of team that you have around you um, in all phases, especially up front from the offensive line um, and reminding Carson that, hey, we have really high standards around here as far as number of sacks that we take, as far as the percentage of sacks. Um, and that's because we get the ball out quick in rhythm. Now, I, believe me, I understand that when you got a quarterback that can escape and do some, and is mobile like Carson, um, you know, we're going to take advantage of that and he'll create some plays like that. But um, we're, we're concentrating on running the football. We're concentrating on good play action game to keep defenses off balance. We're going to concentrate on a rhythm passing game to get it out quick. He's got a big arm. He's going to make big plays. I think those will come to us. We're not going to force them. He shouldn't force them. We should focus on, you know, just the execution play by play and don't try to do too much. That, that's really what the discussion is. And, about. and what has his reaction been, Frank, to those coaching points, to those points of emphasis from you and your staff? You know, his attitude couldn't be better. You know, I think after you, you come off a year like he did this year, him personally, the team that, you know, the Eagles, it was, it was a hard year for him personally and a hard year for the team. So um, humble pie doesn't taste good, but it's good for you. It's good for, it's good for you. And so it, it's a chance for him to uh, acknowledge that I got to hit the reset button. I, I got a, I got a fresh start here and his attitude couldn't be better. He's a great team player. He's, coming in with the right attitude of wanting to do his part. Uh, I believe he's going to do that. I believe he's going to have an incredible year and uh, be a great leader and a great player for this team. Okay, we're going to go two more. Stephen Holder. Hey, Frank. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, hey, re regarding you, you opened up talking about, you know, the, the workouts and the setup you guys have had. Uh, obviously, a lot of this, I think, will be fluid in terms of what the setup is going forward. But, um, just, you know, do you as a coach have to kind of modify your expectations for the future for what this, you know, what this, what shape these workouts will take? Um, this was very different, I guess, is what I'm saying, even though you, you feel like you got a lot done. What, what are your expectations for the future, if at all, uh, if you've even thought that far? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, you do have to adapt and modify, which we did this year. I mean, remember, Stephen, there was a point in time a month ago or whenever it was like, I was wondering, are we going to get anything? There's just going to be like last year. And that's why when, you know, when I sat down with the guys and, and we started talking about a plan, you know, there was the, the one plan was, Hey, we get three days, you know, in June and that, and that's the extent of it. So we started investigating, you know, what's, an, what are the other alternatives and how can we make this work where we can get a little bit more time than that? That would be good for all of us. What, what works. And so um, I'm anticipating that in that in the future, right? Some of it will be out of my hands as far as it will be out of the coach's hands. There will be decisions made at a higher level from the league and the players uh, union that will govern some of what happens. But what I do feel very positive about is um, what the part of it that comes down to our, us and the players working together. I think we got the right mojo going right there. We both know that we got to work. We both know that the work is valuable and the quality of the work's got to be good. And I, I think that's what we've had these two weeks. Would have I like to have another week or two for sure? Absolutely. But I'm very happy with the two weeks that we had and, and we got a lot done. Okay, last one, Jim Ayala. Hey, Frank. Hi, Jim. Um, you mentioned you mentioned with Carson, you know, 
trying to do too much and, and the humble pie that you just referenced. Do you feel like when you, when you watched last year, that was maybe, I got, maybe what went wrong that like things were going South for Philly and, and he tried to be Superman a little too much. And I don't know, is that, is that kind of what you saw? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think at times that happens to all of us. I mean, it happens to you as a play caller, you know, when sometimes you're, things aren't going right and you try to manufacture something and do too much rather than just say, Hey, let's make first downs, let, let the big play happen. Uh, so it's a, I've seen, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks. It's very, very common when, when you're struggling, when your team is struggling to try to manufacture something that's, that, that isn't there. And the problem is that sometimes you can do that. And, but what is the cost of that? And so there's a fine balance there. You know, we don't want to take, that card away from Carson. I mean, he's got unique physical abilities and we want to accentuate and we want to give him the freedom to use those to create big plays for us. But, you know, the, the, the trick of it all, the, what, where it all comes together is what's the right balance of that. And that's just the give and take that we have to talk about and constantly challenge really on a weekly basis, you know, that conversation will, will be had. That, that's not like an, an ego thing, right? That's just, hey, the team's going bad, and I, I think I have the ability to help turn things around, right? That's, I mean, not, not yeah. egotistical, I guess, yeah. No, I agree 100% with that statement, Jim. I mean, most of the time, it's the player wanting to do good for his team. This isn't about, hey, let me make a superstar play that everybody can say, oh, wow, here's a great player. The team's struggling, but this guy sure is giving him a chance. Um, I know Carson well enough to know he's not a stat guy. He's a team guy, and the, the only stat that really matters is winning as a team. And so um, whatever efforts he's making, has made or will make on the field, I know that's the driving force behind it. From the head coach to the QB1, here is Carson Wentz. Carson, are, are you still feeling like the new guy? I know everybody's a little different in terms of when you get acclimated. Where are you after a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I, f I feel great. Obviously, everything is still new. So just being in here these last couple of weeks has been nice just to get, A, used to the building, used to, you know, all of the routines that go along with practice and everything, but just getting to know the guys. You know, obviously, there's – I'm not the only new guy in the locker room every year. There's some moving pieces and stuff. So uh, – but everyone's been awesome, been super welcoming and embracing. And um, after, you know, even just two weeks, like I already feel um, – feel a little bit at home here and, and, and excited for it. Jimaiello. Yeah, Carson, what was, um, what are you going to be, what's the, Zach Pascal mentioned, um, you guys are going to maybe going to get together after uh, these voluntary OTAs and what, what is that going to entail? Yeah, um, not 100% sure of the details yet. Um, we'll get together here maybe even in June um, and then probably in July as well. Um, and, you know, I've done that in the past. Um, in Philly as well. And I, it's just a great time to, to not just get the physical work on the field, but um, to get together and bond outside of football and just really build relationships, get to know guys. And uh, I look forward to that every summer. I look forward to doing that again once or twice this summer as well. Zach Kiefer. Listen, uh, you and Frank pick up right where you left off. It's been a long time since you guys worked together. And I'm just curious, was it, did some of it come back? Was it was it new stuff? Was, are there challenges? I'm sure there's going to be some things you have to learn as you go. Yeah, I mean, it's still a lot of learning. You know, it, it's still a lot of learning. And, uh, you know, I think where we picked up off, uh, though, is just that we still totally understand each other. Um, he understands how I see the game. I, I kind of know how he sees the game. And um, I think we kind of just picked up on that right away and jumped right back in. But 
Um, it's still a lot of learning um, and understanding the offenses and just some different um, detailed things within each um, play and all that stuff. So, um, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to work with him again, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Is the offense pretty new for you? Um, I'd say yes and no. Um, you know, it's a lot of new terminology, a lot of new language, um, some similar carryover with schemes and stuff, but there's still plenty of new that uh, for me is kind of exciting, you know, keeps it fresh, keeps it new. And um, it, it's exciting for me to keep kind of digging in and learning some more. Mike Wells. Hey, Carson, um, it's been well documented, the, uh, the Christian faith that you and Frank have um, together. How does that go hand in? How does how does how do you guys correlate that with football? I mean, do you guys talk about it a lot? Can you kind of just how talk about your connection there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because at the end of the day, um, we all we both come from the same background, and we at the end of the day, no matter wins, losses, all of that stuff, we both know what's the main thing in our life, and, and we know what our priorities and our values and where we stand on that. So we always have that connection. That connection is always there. You know, sometimes we talk about it a couple of days straight other times we don't you know don't talk about it at all and it's just um that's just how it is even with other believers you know you're always challenging encouraging each other sharing things um so that's been the same and shoot we did that in philly quite a bit um still do that here and, and it's been fun to to kind of you know dive deeper in our relationship through faith as well george bremer Carson, several guys have said that you haven't just tried to get to know them. You tried to get them to know them on a personal level. Why is that important to you, and, and how do you think that will help moving forward? Yeah, I just think um, just getting to know guys is, is always a big part of the camaraderie and the chemistry in the locker room, and, and not just the surface level, hey, how you doing, doing great, but um, which that's that always happens. But just trying to understand, you know, who they are as people, uh, family, wife, kids, all of those things that we can just – um, really bond and connects on a different level because then when we're out there on Sundays we just we have a deeper relationship and we just really trust each other and love each other that much more. Stephen Holder. Hey Carson, um, as you know, I mean Frank had uh, Philip Rivers as his quarterback last year. You guys are very different just in skill set. Um, and so that being said, what what can you say about uh, Frank's ability and, and Marcus and everybody else their ability to to cater to what the quarterback does well within the scheme and, and, and the scheme, you know, being able to, to allow for that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of said it, um, their track record really speaks for itself. Um, and being able to do that really every year, um, you know, Frank in this offense, you know, there's been somebody different, it almost seems. And so, um, to really just kind of cater to what each guy does well and, um, not change the playbook per se, but just kind of some nuances within how we call a game and all of that stuff. And um, even just talking through some of that has been fun and exciting just to how we can look the same, but, you know, a little different than, you know, maybe how they were last year and stuff. So uh, it's been fun. It's refreshing. Um, and, it, you know, it really, the, the, the track record speaks for itself of how they've done that. I'm excited um, to do that again next year. Joel Erickson. Hey, Carson, you, since we last talked to you, you've gotten to throw with everybody and you're working with Frank on the offense. What, what's been the, the thing that excites you most about this offense so far? Yeah, um, there's just a lot of talent. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I see it in watching the film from last year and just how they really spread the ball around and, you know, get everybody involved. And um, I see that completely being the same way again this year. And that, that excites me because it's, it's never – just a one-man show out there. It's, you know, we're going to go 
I'm going to throw the ball where, where it's supposed to go on each play and not necessarily just picking guys and, and get everybody involved. And that, that excites me because everybody has a unique skill set. Everybody's talented um, and we have the ability to spread it around and, and you know, give everyone some love um, and be an explosive offense that way. When, when you can spread it around, how does that, I guess, free you up at the line of scrimmage when you're looking at defenses? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't want to say it makes it easy, but, you know, you're not overthinking things. You're just, I'm going to go with the ball where the defense tells me to go, you know, pretty much. And within each concept and all of those things, you're not overthinking things. You're just read and react and trust that each guy is going to be where they need to be, get open on time, all of those things. And, and there's a lot of trust involved with this offense. And each guy um, I'm, I'm excited about just because there is a lot of talent on this offense. Mike Chappell. Carson, you mentioned you're one of many new faces, but you are the quarterback, obviously. Is it important to make this offense and this team your team, or is that overblown? I think that's overblown. You know, I think, um, for one, you know, Frank really sets the tone. Coach Reich sets the tone, and um, there's a lot of great leadership. That's what I've already seen, um, both sides of the ball. And so, for me, it's not about – making it my team by any means. It's just how do how do I fit in? How do I plug in? And how do we kind of maybe tweak some nuances within the offense and different things and really just be a family um, and make it really a team that we're all in this thing together. And um, that's been fun to see even just over these two weeks, how how we all kind of fit together and different personalities, different backgrounds, different pieces all come together um, out there. And even just these two weeks, it's been fun to see. And I'm excited for the season. Some of the players have talked about how you've been very approachable and all that in the locker room. Does that just come natural to you or is that something you've really had to try to do outside of yourself because you're the new guy in the block? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's natural. You know, I enjoy getting to know guys and, um, you know, hearing their stories, their backgrounds, all of those things, especially this time of year. Obviously, there's a little extra free time, um, both in the building and outside of the building. So um, just getting to know guys and is something that, I truly enjoy, you know, the relationships I've made through football through my whole life are lifelong friendships and relationships. And I look forward to, you know, many of those guys are in this locker room now. And, and I look forward to continuing to build those relationships both on and off the field. Thank you. Okay, we'll go three more. Sal Pal. Hey, Carson, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Sal? All right, good. Hey, Carson, uh, you know, you, you come to a playoff team, you're with Coach Reich. Uh, you mentioned all the talent that you have around you. You know, there's a lot of talk around the league that there's no quarterback under more pressure this year than Carson Wentz. How do you react to that and how do you attack that? Yeah, I mean, for one, I, I didn't know that. So thank you. Uh, but but two, you know, it's it's something that, you know, this is the game we play. This is the position that I've chosen, you know, and um, there's always pressure. There's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be expectations. Those things are always going to be there. And for me, it's just, you know, it's been the same thing my whole career. It's just go to work. Just go to work, get better every day, and block out the outside noise, good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. And, you know, I've really felt um, I felt a lot of excitement around here and a lot of, you know, obviously we have high expectations and all of those things, but um, just the culture and how, you know, it's just a one-day-at-a-time mindset. You know, that's, that's the mindset of this team, and that's the mindset that I'm going to take um, every single day I come to work. When you studied what happened to you last year, what did you feel like you had to fix as a player and as a person? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, quote, fix. But, the, you know, every year 
um, you kind of go into this mode and it's the off season. A, you get away, you take a breather, but then B, you, you reflect and you say, okay, physically, what could, where can I get better? Mentally, where can I get better? Emotionally, you know, how can I get better? Um, it's nothing crazy, um, but it's just, you know, little things of um, fundamentals and different things and, you know, how I see the game um, processing all of that stuff. And so just within this new offense, talking through a lot of those things with the, the new coaches um, and everything, working together, working through those things, it's been really good. Thank you. Kev Kevin Bowen. Carson, you just referenced the new offense. How new, I guess, is it to you? Like if you had to put a percentage of what you knew walking in the door a few weeks ago? Um, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's fairly new. Um, a lot of things are similar schematically. Um, pretty much everything's a new name. So still kind of feels like a foreign language and studying and all of those things. And um, to be honest, it's something you take for granted over, you know, five years, you have the same offense, you know, you're kind of just, um, it, it's the same, it's the same on repeat and you kind of take that for granted. So I've enjoyed really diving in and understanding um, just the plays to a new level and how we're calling it, what we're calling it, all of those things. So um, there's not a ton of carryover as far as um, the language and terminology, but, you know, there's schematically quite a bit. And then without like the normal OTAs, normal mini camp, things like that, can you replicate like not having that? Is that difficult to try and replicate given the fact that you are in a new atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is hard to replicate. You know, we've been fortunate as a team to get in here for these two weeks. Um, you know, it hasn't been full-on practices and those types of things. But um, to even just get in the huddle, call the plays, get to the line, make our checks, go through our reads, um, even if it's half-speed tempo, it's, it's just been really good and um, kind of sets us up for when we get into training camp. We don't have to go through those motions of feeling it out, going, you know, figuring all the logistics and the simple things. Um, we can come into camp ready to roll and, um, you know, I think those two weeks have been really good for us, but you'll never replicate a full practice and you'll never replicate a game. So, you know, we're going to do everything we can to set ourselves up for success, but um, the test is going to be on, on Sundays. All right, last one, JJ. Carson, how has it been getting you and your family settled in Indianapolis and just kind of getting that part of your life uh, in order? Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, honestly. It's it's been a whirlwind. It's been extremely busy and moving pieces, and moving companies and furniture. You name it, furniture is all on back order like crazy. So that's always fun. Uh, but it's it's been fun. You know, the community's been extremely welcoming and, and has embraced us um, tremendously. And and we've been able to you know get out in the community, go do some fun things. And um, you know, it, it's been fun, and we definitely love it here. We'll go from Carson Wentz to one of his new weapons, Naheem Hines. Hey, Naheem, how you doing? Um, heading into your fourth year, heading into your fourth year with a different starting quarterback. Um, what's it been like uh, with Carson so far? What, is, what has stood out about him that you've noticed uh, right away? Uh, honestly, just the humility, uh, you know, for him to be who he is and all that. He came in here, you know, just like everybody else. And he's his hunger, he's a... Uh, he was an MVP. He was MVP caliber guy, and he's uh, looking to get back to that. And uh, just his understanding of the offense uh, and trying to personally get to know everybody, it makes you want to play for him. So uh, just coming in, he comes in, asks about my family, my sister, and things like that. As a new guy, that's pretty cool to you know see that he's caring and uh, try to take care of us. You're the second guy who's talked about his hunger um, in consecutive days. Do you sense that you know people doubt him being able to get back to be the quarterback he was from when he was yeah. an MVP candidate? 
absolutely. I've done interview. I did interviews all last week and people were saying that, uh, like, you know, the, uh, the people asking me questions, they were saying that, you know, people were saying that he's broken and all these things. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's heard that and we've all heard the talk, but uh, honestly, I think with him, I don't think he really cares what anybody says. I think he's driven, driven from within to, you know, be the best he can be just like most of us are. We don't need, you know, external, uh, you know, external sources to motivate us. I think he's internally motivated and that's when he's, he's been showing me this entire time he's been here. Zach Keeper. Hey, Naheem, how's it going? Well, guys. Um, I think it's fair to say Carson's skill set is a little bit different than Phillips. Um, I don't think we're insulting Phillip when we say Carson can move a little bit better. I'm just curious. I know you've been on the field with him for two weeks. What are the things you've noticed about what he can do physically and add that element to your offense? I think what you said is perfect. He adds extra element. Uh, I love Phillip. He's just – he's not as mobile as Carson. Uh, Carson will probably be able to get out a little bit more jams and, you know, especially on like big pressure situations like, you know, the red zone and third downs. And uh, I think uh, Carson honestly probably is throwing one of the throws one of the prettier deep balls I've ever seen. I don't know where he looks, where it looks in the league, but I've played with enough quarterbacks and he has a really pretty deep ball and uh, he's real accurate and has a nice little strong arm. So it's uh, I've liked everything I've seen with him so far. Nothing negative yet. Cap. How would you describe your, I guess, development evolution in this offense over the years? Uh, with every opportunity, I think I've just gotten more confident. Um, my rookie year, you know, had to uh, figure out the game a little bit. Uh, tried to learn a lot from Andrew and, uh, you know, those guys. And then 2019, I think I took a step forward, uh, became a punt returner. Uh, last year, I think I took off. And uh, I think it really just came down to my uh, mindset and uh, my, you know, my mindset and then just making the most of the opportunity. And our offense, if you don't make the most of the opportunity, you're not going to get another opportunity. There's a lot of great ball players, So I think uh, really for me, just looking at, you know, making the most of the opportunity and knowing that, you know, I'm a good enough player to be on this team and I belong out there is a, uh, really really great and also to you know I have my own God-given abilities that you know like my speed and quickness and uh, athleticism that you know I I work on every year and uh, I've grown more confidence within that myself too. You've always sort of I, I don't know whether it's a compliment or not considered you were considered a gadget guy a third down guy and you get out in space I thought last year you really took a step as a running back I don't know as far as running the ball did you feel that or or not? Of course I've never been a gadget guy I hate when people call me that. I don't think I've ever been that. I played running back my whole life, and I've always been able to run the ball in between the tackles and run the ball. And uh, last year, I think that was a step to that. And uh, every year I've been in the NFL, I've heard you know all the things of the gadget guy, uh, too little to run, too little to run in between the tackles. So I think last year was a good first step. And uh, this year, I'm looking to build on it because I hate when people call me a gadget guy. I am not a gadget guy. I'm a football player, and uh, that's how I just see it. Thank you. All right, two more, George Bremer. Naeem, Jim Irsay said earlier this offseason you might be one of the guys in line for a contract extension. Is that on your mind at all, or is it pretty easy to block that out and just focus on on-field stuff? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's on my mind, obviously, but uh, I haven't really thought much about it. I'm back here. I'm working with the team, and honestly, I'm letting my agent handle it. Uh, my job is to be the best player I can be and the best leader. I think last year, I, took, I think I took two big steps last year. I think uh, as a runner, I took a big step, and I think as a leader on this team, uh, I took a big step. So that's what I'm looking forward to, just trying to uh, lead. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of younger guys now because I'm an older guy. I'm just trying to lead those guys and, uh, you know, show them how to – show them the right way. And that's really what I'm focused on, just showing guys the right way and being the best player I can be. Our right, last one here, Jim Aiello. Yeah, just, just curious about how you felt about Marlon coming back because obviously I'm sure it was great to have him back. But also it, you, you just talked about being a runner and wanting to run between the tackles. And it, it, there's going to be, you know, a lot of guys competing for those touches this year. I mean – it's it's the NFL. I mean, 
I was excited personally to have Marlon back, but if Marlon didn't come back, they were going to bring somebody else in. That's just how it is. It's competition. I'm not going to ever run from competition. And uh, that's how all the guys are. Uh, Marlon, Marlon's had, you know, his share of injuries the past year and years before that. And he never did anything other than be a stand-up guy and, you know, text us when he saw something or text for every game and after every game. And, uh, you know, you can't do nothing but respect that. And, uh, you know, when my time comes, I'm, there's going to come a time where I hope I have to help Marlon. I'm going to help him the same way he helped me. And that's how our whole running back room is. So I think uh, really with us, we've all kind of swallowed our pride and realized that, you know, we're used to getting 20 carries or a lot of touches and we realize that we don't need that. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we're going to make the most of our opportunity. And well, at least for me, when they call 21, I know it's showtime. And I think that's what all those other guys say too. When, they, when we get the chance, it's time to go. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the ball with first round pick Quiddy Pay. Hey, Quiddy, how you doing? Um, hey, I'm wondering what you've been able to, to learn about how you fit into this defense in these two weeks that you've been out there. Uh, you know, what, what have you uh, seen from, from the scheme in terms of how you fit, and, and do you think that fit is a good fit? I think for me, I'm just trying to get in uh, where I fit in. So wherever coach needs me, wherever he needs me to move out over to, I'll play that. But um, for me, just going to play in right end, just kind of knowing my responsibility. A little different from colleges because in college I had to really just learn um, the weak side, but now I have to know both weak and strong. So yeah, just just doing that. Uh, Chap, Quinny has. I, I assume it's hit you now that this is your job. I mean, you're not. <laughs> I mean, th th this is what you do now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, like I'll wake up and be like, man, like I have no school, I have nothing to do but focus on football. It's fun now. <laughs> You know, just 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 to be able to focus on one thing. So yeah, that's that's cool. But but it is a big transition. I mean, because this this is now for the next however many years. This is not who you are, but what what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I always took pride in what I did on the football field, and now I just get to be a better version of myself because I have more time in the day to really hone in on my craft. Zach Keeper, pretty. Come week one, do you think you could be the starter at right defensive end? Is that something that matters to you? Is it more, I just want to help the team, or is it something that's actually on your radar as a rookie? I think for me as a rookie, just trying to contribute as much as I can. Um, whatever job Coach Baker gives me, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So, you know, I'm just going to come in every single day and give the team, give the defense everything I have just to give us the best chance to win in the game. So, wherever that is, I'm just trying to um, contribute. JJ? Hey, Quiddy, now that you've been around, you know, your teammates for a couple weeks, what stood out about the culture that's in place uh, on this defense set by guys like Darius and DeForest and, and Kenny and those guys? Yeah, you know, in um, rookie minicamp, it was a little lonely just because I was like the only D lineman out here working. So, I mean, me and Chris and uh, Dio, but then once you got the whole defense uh, together now, you can treat off the vets, kind of learn how they make the calls and learn how they play the game and kind of learn from the interior as far as like, how you should rush and how you should play certain things. So uh, it's definitely good to, to be with the best, kind of see how they work and just see how how uh, much of pros they are. So yes, yeah, it's, it's real cool. Joel Erickson. Hey, Quiddy, once, uh, once this week's over and you guys are kind of done in, in Indianapolis, how, how do you plan to prepare this summer uh, for, for the season? I think for me, the only thing I really have to do is just keep looking over and over my notes that I took um, over these couple of weeks. Look over my notes, call Coach Baker. I was calling Coach Baker. Like, as soon as I got drafted, once I got that iPad, I was in my iPad looking at, 
you know, the plays and the calls and whatnot, taking notes, just trying to learn the defense as fast as I can so I can uh, try and help this defense out. So um, for me, like once I go away, like not completely check out, but, you know, just make sure I'm uh, communicating with Coach Baker, just trying to make sure when I come back, I'll be on top of it. Do you have like a, a pass rush coach or anything you work with? Um, not really. I, uh, during the um, training cycle for the combine and whatnot, when I was down in Exos in Arizona, I was working with BT Jordan. So he's a real good D-line coach that I like a lot. So if anything, I may just go work with him with the time off that I have. Kevin Bowen. Hey, Quiddy. Um, Chris Bauer was mentioning like you finding kind of a counter pass rush move a big step in your development. Uh, what has that process been like for you here early on? I think it's been cool. Um, just being able to try new stuff out, kind of like just find myself, uh, work different pass rush moves, working with Coach Baker and just trying to just have a counter for every uh, pass rush that I have. So yeah, it's been, it's been cool. Uh, last one here, George Brummer. Quiddy, obviously it's your first time practicing in the NFL, but you missed the spring last year in college as well. How important do you think these two weeks were just to get on the field and, and kind of get an understanding for, you know, how, how things happen at this level? I think it's very important just because I've seen it in college as far as like the young guys not having that spring ball. When the season came around, they were very behind as far as learning the playbook and catching up and whatnot. So I feel like it's very important for us rookies to come in and do the OTAs, rookie minicamp and whatnot, just to learn the playbook faster because we all want to contribute to the team as much as we can. So, yeah, I think that's – that's good. And we'll wrap things up with defensive end Kamoko Ture. Kamoko, we know you uh, went back and had to have another surgery. Uh, what what did they have to do? Uh, and, and how do you think it's going to help you? Uh, yeah, so I went back. So they had to um, repair the um, posterior tendon and get that because, you know, you know, when I'm pass rushing, you know, that's, was the that was the weakest part, and that's the uh, was the pain I was feeling at the time. Stephen Holder. Hey, uh, Kamoko. Um, we we know that that when you did play last year, you know you play a lot, and, and when you did play, you didn't look comfortable. It was very obvious. What what were you going through, and and how did it restrict you? And then beyond that, uh, it's been a long time since you've been able to be yourself. You know, are you? How anxious are you to show, you know, what you showed us in 2019? Um, being that I missed uh, 14 games, um, it was it was time for me. it was like it was it was, it was like hard for me to to adjust in the beginning. You know, just um, missing time off and missing also eight games being on pup. Um, it was just you know for me to adjust to um, running and again to again uh, adjusted to the game speed. So, and after a while, as you can see, at the end of the season, I started to get a little more comfortable. Jim Ayala. Yeah, Kamoko. Chris said he, he maybe regretted just letting, letting you get back on the field, maybe wanted to give you more time <clears throat> to, to heal. Do you feel like getting back on the field, you rushed it a little bit just because you were, you know, you were eager to play again, or, or do you feel like kind of things played out the way they should have? Um, man, I wanted to do whatever it takes to help the team. Um, I didn't think I was rushed. Um, um, you know, it was – you know, it was good enough for me to play. Uh, we did everything we can to uh, make sure that, you know, I was safe and um, if I was um, able to ready, so I passed and I was able to pass first, I was able to practice. I was able to like um, 
monitoring and maintain, uh, maintain um, the injury and stuff like that. So it was good. Um, you know, every day I was um, going to therapy and uh, working on my uh, injury um, and getting it right. Zach Kiefer. Marco, when exactly was the second surgery? Uh, second surgery was in on February 3rd, I think. Yeah. February okay. 3rd. And then, so that's about a month after the season ended. Where are you now? Are you full go? Or are you working your way back? And do you think you'll be good for camp? I'll be good but, um, before camp start. Uh, that's the plan. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot of rehabs and um, because it's a tendon, posterior tendon. So we was, um, so I took my time this time to like make sure I heal. Um, recently, I'm now I'm doing um, Ultra G um, treadmills and stuff like that. So I'm moving up to speed now. So, so far, so good. So we're just trying to get used to, you know, um, building in the muscle around it and um, strengthening the uh, ankle. And then it's been a hard couple of years for you, no doubt. What are your expectations going into your third year? I mean, it looks like there's some spots open on the defensive end, you know, spots. The line's going to change. Uh, expectations don't change. Every year you got to go hard. Um, like, it's your last. You know, doesn't change. Mindset's still the same. Going out there, try to be that um, defensive end, um, you know, just trying to get 100% um, healthy and um, able to play alongside the um, D-Buck and um, Grove and um, Taquan and the rest of the guys. All right, last one here, Kevin Bowen. Hey, Kamoko, um, do you put any added pressure on yourself knowing that this is a contract year for you? Um, just, you know, just staying a lot, a lot more focused, um, just, um, you know, pay, like focus on my ankle and focus on everything around, paying attention to details of what's going on on uh, this OTAs and uh, getting closer with the boys and um, control what I can control on my side, you know, just, you know, studying um, on and off the field and um, asking questions, uh, things that I need help with and just um, be a student of the game until I come back. That'll do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week for uh, more great Colts content. Please, please, please make sure you subscribe and download for us. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe and follow Mike Chapel on Twitter at mchapel 51 Again, thank you so much for listening, and until next week, take it easy, Colts fans. Mm-hmm.